CGM 99.1 FM programming is hosted almost exclusively by community volunteers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are that of the host and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of CJAM FM. For more information and resources, visit our website at cjam.ca. Hi, I'm Samantha, a past guest on CJAM's HandyLink. You're listening to HandyLink on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching high ground in Windsor, Detroit. Sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. In this segment of our show, Alexandra D'Agostino will be telling us a little bit about the Canadian Stuttering Association. So what can you tell me about the association? Yeah, sure. So like, um, yeah, so, yeah, so basically the Canadian Stuttering Association is a national volunteer-driven not-for-profit organization that promotes awareness and, and understanding um, of, of stuttering and provides support and resources for people who stutter, their families and allies, um, with a view to, to helping persons who stutter live as effectively as possible with their stutter and, 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 and to, of course, achieve their, their full um, personal and professional um, potential. So like the you know, so like you know, so that's basically what we're about, and we're like um, completely volunteer driven. So uh, no one gets paid. <laughs> so how do you reach out to the affected community to let those who stutter know that uh, the association's there to provide them with supports? Yeah. So yeah. So we have a few resources in place that we run throughout the year. Um, we have like um, um, yeah, like oh, like oh, like. Uh, um, sessions like for like speaking out and then like like oh like oh like oh like oh like, oh, like, oh, like, oh, like and, yeah, and like different like online events like like throughout the year that you know that they get featured different like keynote speakers and like and like and like, yeah, 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 and then people who who come to host like um, workshops like throughout the year that people can like sign up you can find all of our information at stutter.ca um, and then of course like we have like our like uh, um, a yearly conference so like this year we're very excited to announce it was just recently decided that like we're gonna have our 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 annual conference in Ottawa. Ontario, Canada this year between November 3rd and, and 5th at the famous um, and historic um, Lord Elgin um, Hotel. So, like, you know, and like, you know, like, and, you know, and, you know, so, and, you know, it's for people like of 
all ages. Like we even have like full day um youth um programming, and then also like um we also have like like we also have full day workshops for like um parents for like SLP students. So then like and you know, also like and you know, and also like um also peace themselves, so speech and language pathologists, and then also of course like other people who who said are like um of all ages, and then we also have um uh, uh, um support groups around um um Canada. Uh, like some of them are still running on on the line um um uh, um uh, um uh, due to like um due to like the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah, but then yeah, but then some of them are still but then but then some of them have kind of gone back to running in person. So we suppose we also we have support groups in like um in Newfoundland and like in in the Halton region, in like, like yeah, in, um, in in the GTA, in Ottawa, in Calgary, and then like um across Canada, basically. So like we have um um several support groups in place. Oh, and um one I think in um Regina even as well in um Saskatchewan. So yeah, so like so like several um resources and um like um and like places um that people can um um reach out to if they're looking for support. So find it interesting about the uh, support groups. I'd imagine that uh, coming together as a community helps clear up some of the uh, myths or misperceptions that might be associated with stuttering. Exactly. Well, yeah, and Mr. Ben, it's really hard because, like, finding people to actually, like, um, to actually um, attend attend these support groups because, like, only one percent of the world's population stutters, and 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 if and if you think Canada is so spread out because of the amount of land we have, um, you know, like, yeah, 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 so it's so it's actually really really hard to find like people like to, it's sometimes hard to find people who stutter even though they are across Canada, but yeah, but yeah, but then but then to actually like provide them like with resources, even me, like I didn't I didn't know about the Canadian Stuttering Association until I was in my twenties, you know, and until someone actually actually told me about it because growing up I had a stutter. I'm from originally from London, Ontario. But I'm currently living in Ottawa, Ontario, um, and I work um, as a nurse here. But like, um, you know, I had no idea like that there are actually like resources for people who stutter, and there are other people, other other people who 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 um, 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 who spoke like I did, kind of thing. So it was really hard to find. But like, yeah, yeah, but like, but then like we actually. Um, have like oh like oh like um oh like oh like another resource I actually um forgot to mention if I'm 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 like I'm like I'm like if if like if if there are any post if there are any post secondary students like listening we actually have a like a a um post we actually have a post secondary scholarship award it's about it's about five hundred dollars and and we offer it annually thanks to some uh um thanks to like um one of our donors who provide this with who provide us with this donation every year and it's for like you know how much it's for post secondary students who stutter and. And like, you know, and like, and, and they, can, they can find the application online. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm at, our, at our website on stutter.ca. So we offer that as well. I forgot to mention that earlier. Quite all right. So uh, in your time with the association, has there been any success story that stands out for you? Um, well, so, well, so I've been with the association since about, gosh, 2013. So actually, I've, so I've been with them for 10 years, which is crazy to say. I, I didn't even realize it until now. But like, so I started off as their, as their social media coordinator. So I basically ran their Twitter, Facebook, and like Instagram pages. So yeah, so, yeah, so, so, so I, I, I really took it and I, and I ran with it. This is when social media was really becoming a thing rather than like just Facebook. And so, yeah, so I really took it and, and I ran with it. And again, I, I built it up, and I just recently transitioned to you know, actually just recently recently transitioned to being the family and youth programming coordinator. And I guess like last year at the conference, I was really excited to see. And this is like I mean like this is just like um, 
one of many like um success stories like that we've had like obviously but like about one of them i was super proud that you know that like there was a kid who um there was there was there was a kid who who was attending our um uh, our um uh, youth uh, um uh, programming like um at the conference um this was in um Niagara Falls um uh, Ontario and um he like and he, and at the start of the day like at this at the start, at the start of the weekend because our conference always runs over a weekend so it's two days um you know, and, and at the start he was so you know, he was so shy and he didn't want to talk to anybody else and yeah you know, and, you know, and then you know, he was super creative and yeah you know, and then and then and then over just two days like we saw him really opening up and just really like um like and, and really just like that telling us more about himself and then at the end um you know at the, at the very last session of the conference on sunday afternoon um and the conference started on friday evening on 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 on, on, on sunday afternoon we actually had an open mic where like, people could like people could come up in front of everyone so there's about 100 people there and people people could come up and share anything that they wanted a story a song a poem um like a piece of artwork and um and he actually came up and he and um, like with his mom and, and and he was about i think eight or ten and you know and, 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 and he presented a piece of artwork he had made it was a poster like about stuttering basically and he spoke and his mom was so proud and there were tears and then and, and like he actually got a, he actually got a standing um ovation for like what he said and it just it was just so amazing to see that you know he went from this quiet child that just didn't want to talk to anybody to actually speaking in front of in front of a hundred people so that was really amazing to see it was like super like um rewarding and it shows like um um, yeah, 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 the effects of just like one weekend at a CSA conference can can it do for you like if you're 10 if you're 20 if you're 30 40 60 whatever you know it's just it really changes people's lives like I mean it, it, I mean like when I started going to these conferences it changed my life as well and that's why I wanted to be, to be up to be a part of the board of directors of the CSA well one of the reasons of course because I like, can you know, because like since since the CSA and also the NSA which is the National Studying Association in the US that's where I kind of found like um yeah that's what I kind of found out about stuttering associations it changed my life and so you know, so, so i so i so i just want to spend my like i want to spend the rest of my life giving back to the community you know like like who who, who changed my life and like maybe as, as maybe as confident as i am today like in in myself and also in my stutter like, sorry that was a really long-winded answer to your question but <laughs> i think it was just perfect like okay. thank you for so you were saying that uh Recently, there was something published that uh, you wanted to share an excerpt of. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so, this is a like. Um, um, this is a. This is a. De- de- um, a this is a declaration of the right to stutter that was actually signed and presented in, in um, and press releases by 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 eighty six associations related to, related to stuttering worldwide. And it basically says so. It says we, the undersigned, declare that people who stutter should be accepted as having a stutter. We may or may not choose to find support to sound fluent or stutter less. That is our right. It is not reasonable to expect or insist that we sound fluent. We stutter, that is how we talk. In this time of diversity, adjustments are too often not given to those who stutter, be it at work, education, or using everyday services. The expectation is rather that we should strive to overcome our stutter and speak differently. As in, as individuals, we may wish and even try to do so, but as the community, we, uh, we refute the idea that we all stop stuttering. No organization can claim to value equality or diversity unless stuttering voices are permitted and valued. We call upon every organization and institution to work with people who stutter to make sure that all of us are given the respect every person deserves and that space is made for us. It is our right to speak as we do. Taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great.
Sure. In this segment of our show, Pat Pagano will be telling us a little bit about some of the plans for this year's ICHA Fishing Derby. So, what can you tell me about the plans for this year's Fishing Derby? Hi, Pat. Uh, thank you again for inviting me to this interview. It's, uh, it's always uh, exciting to start talking about the event, which is uh, almost here. Uh, the event is on June the 3rd at Assumption Park. And as you know, uh, for the last three years, there was no event. Last year, finally, we, we started again. Of course, we did uh, start in a, a smaller scale than the usual. And this year, uh, we're uh, coming back to where we uh, left it when it was full force. And uh, there is uh, all our sponsors and volunteers coming back again. And hopefully we have uh, enough individuals to be participating at the event again. The plan are the same. We're, uh, we're uh, having the, the, everybody start fishing uh, at uh, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And then right after that will be uh, the food concession area open. Uh, and we have uh, uh, deep fried fish, uh, hamburgers, hot dogs. Uh, also, we have a wood burning oven pizza, which is the highlight of the event. Everybody loves that. And many, many other things. Uh, a show, a magic show by Pila, uh, which is uh, uh, all the kids having a lot of fun with that. Some uh, Disney characters are walking uh, at the park taking photos with uh, all the participants and many, many sponsors that, that are coming from the, for the event from all over Ontario and U.S. So, how does the community typically respond to the event? Uh, I mean, as one who's, who's been there since the start, I'm sure you've seen uh, uh, the participants, uh, those with disabilities, enjoy being out and uh, part of the, an opportunity to fish. That's right. Uh, yeah, the, we see that the uh, all the participants they're coming back, and uh, year after year we increase the number because other associations they join us. Somebody that has been uh, with us since day one, our good friend, celebrity uh, Italo Labignan, is the host of Canadian Sport Fishing Show in TV. Of course, the U.S. and Canada is coming down. And that's the event that we are on national TV in Canada and U.S. many times during the year, which is uh, big for us, this exposure. So, are there any challenges in coordinating the event? Many. <laughs> I go through so many challenges uh, on this, and I cannot go in details, but... Uh, there's lots of work starting uh, with organizing uh, the, the our magazine, uh, the sponsors book, which you know every year we have to approach all the uh, sponsors and uh, see if they need any changes, and, uh, and they usually do. They want to update the ad after so many years. There's lots of changes, and then new sponsors coming in, some old ones going out. So this uh, organizing is very very uh, challenging. So, the volunteers who make this work, uh, they probably, uh, I'd imagine they put in a lot of uh, time and effort to make sure that everyone, regardless of uh, the disability, has a chance to, 
to fish and to fully enjoy the event. Correct. Uh, on the side of uh, the ICHA volunteers, that they take care of all the uh, registration and prepare the kids uh, uh, to fish, giving them like jackets uh, and all that stuff. The, the most important uh, it comes right after that. Uh, we have about 60 professional fishermen supervising all the participants. Uh, we have, uh, I have uh, one professional every two individuals, so that way they know what to do. They showed how to uh, put a bait on the hook, how to cast out and retrieve uh, the fish, how to release it back to the water. We weigh the fish, and it doesn't matter the size. And uh, and then at the end, uh, we, uh, we're going to give a prize to, to everybody. So, in your time, running the fishing derbies. Has there been any success moment that stands out for you? Yes, there is. Uh, that was back in 2018 uh, in uh, the spring fishing boat show in Toronto. I received one of the uh, highest in the fishing world. I was nominated uh, I'm looking for every It's called the Rick Hemsbury Award of Excellence. And, and this goes to individuals that they, uh, uh, what they are accomplished with uh, setting up this fishing derby for, uh, for whatever reason, for uh, regular individuals, regular kids, or in our case, the ICHA. And uh, that was rewarded. And uh, my banner was on the Hall of Fame at the Spring Fishing and Boat Show at the International Center in Toronto in 2018. So, if you could send any message to the community about why events like this matter and uh, why we should continue to bring the disability community and the able-bodied community together for things like fishing, what would you say? Well, I will say that uh, everybody should come down to experience this event. Uh, Anybody that came down as a volunteer, as a sponsor that was at the event, they really got touched by, by this event. How all the participants, how happy they were to experience this sport of fishing that uh, usually they don't experience. And uh, they keep coming back year after year and they are telling others to come down again. You're coming there once and you are hooked. You're coming back every year. Something that I really need to uh, uh, to bring is uh, our official sponsors. is a huge, huge support to the event. And this is uh, uh, the, the official sponsor, of course, is Alan Quesnel. He's been on uh, for now five or six years. And every year he's doing better and better to support this cause. And he's very proud this event. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. Thank you. Of course. Pat went on to say, uh, this year's event is going to feature live entertainment by Music Express. Handy Link will be right back after these commercial messages, so stay tuned. Blood donors are needed now as much as ever. If you would like to help meet the needs of patients across Canada, please consider booking an appointment 
by calling 1-800-2-DONATE. That is 1-800-236-6283 or by visiting blood.ca or through the Give Blood app. The Windsor Blood Donation Center location is at 3909 Grand Maris Road East. Make a difference with the Canadian Blood Services. Welcome back to HandyLink, sponsored by the Italian-Canadian Handy-Capable Association, an organization that provides recreational and athletic opportunities for individuals with disabilities in Windsor-Essex. For more information, check out ICHA Windsor On on Facebook. I'm your host, Cam Wells. Earlier in our show, Alexandra D'Agostino told us a little bit about the Canadian Stuttering Association, and we heard a little bit about the upcoming ICHA Fishing Derby from event organizer Pat Pagano. In this segment of our show, Nora Wong will be telling us a little bit about the Norse Institute. So, what can you tell me about the Norse Institute? Well, um... Norse refers to New Onset Refractory Status Epilepticus, which is not a diagnosis, it's a clinical presentation of seizures, prolonged seizures that come out of the blue that are resistant to treatment, and it um, typically occurs in perfectly healthy people with no history of epilepsy. So it's a very unusual presentation. And I'm involved in Norse because my son Daniel uh, was suddenly struck out of the blue with seizures. Um, he had thought he had what he thought was the flu. He told me he was getting better. This was in 2013. Uh, he was 22 years old. And then um, he was found by his roommate, unresponsive, in his apartment, half just getting ready for work, and um, they couldn't stop his seizures um, for well, for seventy nine days, and he ultimately died. And he was a perfectly healthy uh, person. He had just graduated from Stanford, going to work as a financial analyst, and boom, he's hit by seizures. And in twenty thirteen, there was really actually there were over ten names for what this was called Norse or New Onset Refractory Status Epilepticus, De Novo Status Epilepticus, Super Refractory Status Epilepticus, Fires. There's so many different names because each, it was so rare that every time a clinician found it, they would say, Eureka, I found something and give it its, its own name. So as a result, there's so many different names, the field wasn't really integrated and because it was so strange, I think that many of the doctors just told the families that their loved one has seizures, which is basically what they told us. So. Seizures that have no identifiable cause. So that's the other strange thing. In over half the cases of Norse, they find no biomark. So. They do all the testing. So there's no toxin, no structural damage, uh, no genetic results. There's nothing identifiable that caused the seizures. So that being the case, uh, isn't there a high risk of misdiagnosis or it being passed off as something else? Absolutely. And so it is usually, or it had been, um, not diagnosed. You know, and it really depends 
and where the person lands. Um, my son was lucky enough to land in one of the best hospitals in the U.S., so um, he was at Beth Israel Hospital in Boston. And so they did everything to save him, and they knew it was something unusual. Um, they sent, they tried, they contacted the CDC, they kept samples, they, and they, kept, they tried to help us. But I think if people have these prolonged seizures, status epilepticus, that, is, that are not treated, there's a very high mortality and morbidity. And in Norse in general, there is significant mortality. Uh, it's between, depending on which study you look at, between 12 and 30 percent. And, um, significant morbidity, meaning brain damage. So, and, go ahead. Just wondering, uh, how do you provide support and uh, reach out to the affected community since uh, your son's passing uh, your own work in the field? Uh, how have you wanted to provide support for those affected? Well, the first thing I knew I had to do was to find people who studied it because I heard that it was rare. And I did locate two experts in the field, Larry Hirsch, and Nicholas Gaspard at Yale. And um, Nicholas Gaspard has since moved to Brussels. And they started a multi-center prospective uh, study of Norse patients. And what was so important to identify the doctors is that I needed to work with them to consolidate a name. Because until the doctors figured out what they were going to call it and use that same term consistently, the families would not know what they had. See, if you have cancer, they tell you what kind of cancer that you have, and then you know what the prognosis is. If you have any other kind of disease, they will tell you. In many cases of Norse, they didn't say what you had other than seizures. So in 2018, in 2018, they published the consensus definitions of what Norse was. And that was vital or essential to let the doctors know, okay, we're all going to call this. And then from that point, um, they were, doctors were beginning to tell their families, this is what it is. So we have a, a website, norseinstitute.org, that really, that we post information both for the professionals, because there's still some doctors who are not familiar with Norse, and it's subtype febrile infection-related epilepsy syndrome, in which a fever precedes these seizures. And then we have a family side. And on the family side, we have a glossary. We have research reports for families. Um, and a couple of things that are really important. We have um, regular family and patient Zoom calls that we get together online to talk about the experience of Norse. Um, because as I once experienced, I thought that my son was the only person in the world who had this because I never heard of it before. Everyone, and um, I have a bunch of doctors and scientists in my family, they never heard about this syndrome in which a perfectly healthy person suddenly gets struck by seizures and they die, I mean, with, with no cause. So I... Uh, we have the website. I also wrote an article that was published in the New York Times in 2016. And um, I just described, um, I think it's called Loving My Son After His Death. And I just described how my son died after having seizures that no one could find the cause to. And people wrote to me after that article saying, my sister must have died of this in 2005. And no one told us what it was. People were writing about their children, again, saying we never knew what this was. So, and so I really 
Sorry. That there, yes. There were families who were living with this unknown that was so traumatizing. And it, it, it decreases the trust in the medical community because they feel that no one ever told them false stories. And that's not necessarily the fault of the medical community. It's just that the, the knowledge was so fractured, so fragmented, so that people didn't have terminology, that they couldn't communicate with their families. But now there are the consensus definitions that are available online. They're available on our website. We have family Zoom calls that, that include patients and families of survivors as well as of people who lost their family members. And a lot of the time spent online is just talking about what happened to the process because it is so unbelievable. We were walking with our four-year-old and Disney or my son was pulling out of the car and he lost control of the car, that all of these things are just surreal. And we, we need to tell it because it seems hard to even reconcile that this has occurred, but also our friends and family members often don't want to hear about it. You know, it's like they can't seem to grasp that this has happened because no, most people have never heard of this before. And also it's very frightening to know that someone you love um, can can um, be so damaged or die by something that is still medically inexplicable. Right. So you, you hear about car accidents, you hear about cancer, you hear about strokes, and you know, like, you have a mental construct for this, but there's no, how do you wrap your brain around something that technically has no biomarker? Like, thank you for taking the time out to do this, but if you can stay on the line for a sec, that'd be great. So grateful Alexandra was able to be a part of the show today. But the fact is, those who stutter have just as much right, just as much wisdom to communicate as anyone else in society. Fact is, regardless of the disability, our minds should always remain open to hearing what they have to say, no matter what method they use to say it. This has been HandyLink. I'm your host, Cam Wells, reminding you we're all equal. So get on out there and have yourselves a good one. Something tells me you've earned it, folks. We'll see you next week.